Welcome back to the Plant and Root Podcast, where we seek to encourage independent Baptist leaders as they labor to both start and strengthen churches. I am Michael Britt. I'm the pastor of the Thompson Baptist Church. I'm joined today by my good friends, Jaron McFarlane and Chad Colburn. Jaron McFarlane is the planter and pastor of the Oxford Baptist Church in Oxford, Maine. And Chad Colburn is the pastor of the South Liberty Baptist Church in Liberty, Maine. Gentlemen, welcome. Welcome. It's good to be back. Good to be back. Chad, I know that you had some direction for our conversation today. Would you like to bring that up? I would love to. Thank you. I just want to talk today about um, what we would call interdependence mm. or synergy. And the idea is this, and it's, it is a biblical principle. It's just the idea that you can accomplish more together yeah. uh, than you can individually. Uh, if you were to take, for example, uh, a, a couple of horses, if you had one horse that could pull 5,000 pounds and another horse could pull 5,000 pounds, if you put those two horses together, they are able to pull uh, a lot more than 10,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. They can pull a great deal more together. And so we take that principle and we try and apply that uh, in in whether it's starting or, or strengthening a church, whether you're planting or rooting a church, you can apply that principle. And so we're going to look at it in really three places or from three vantage points. Mm. And the first vantage point or first place that we're looking at uh, is the home, you know, serving, uh, serving with your home, through your home. Um, and so, Jaron, would you kind of take the lead on that? Absolutely. You know, especially with a brand new church plant, yeah. you know, it's, some days it's all hands on deck. Right. Absolutely. Um, synergy in the home comes through unity, and it it appears that you know nowadays we the home can just be driven in a hundred different directions, grabbing for the husband's attention, the wife's attention, mm. and the children's attention. So that when they come back together, there's no attention to give to each other, almost. But God sets up the biblical pattern, the biblical roles within the home to work and function together. Um, the, the, whole, the role of the husband, the role of the wife, and the role of the children, they all have their biblical pattern. And when it's followed God's way, there's unity and there is synergy. And in so many ways, um, the clearest that it's ever been made to me was how much I needed my wife. I mean, there's been times that the Lord's very much showed me um, spiritually, I need her, uh, I need her in the church plan, I need her with my children. Um, but it was so clear one day when we were, because um, you know how we get, we think we can do it. Like, oh, I've got this. We can man up and we can do this. But there's nothing more manly or more godly than depending upon the help that God provided for you to fulfill the role that God made for her, which is to be your help. So we were camping uh, last year at the South Arm campground, and we have a little 10-foot rowboat. So our whole family, we're going out for a row, and um, we're rowing up the lake, and we were going with the wind. We went two miles up the lake, just exploring the whole lake. It was beautiful. And on the way back, we turned into the wind. And we didn't realize how strong the wind was because mm -hmm. it was going with us. But when we turned to go into the wind, um, there, was, there was no way that I could do it. I was worn out. I tried, I tried, I fought, and I fought. And for every four rows, I was getting only about the distance of one wow. on the way there. And so we were not going to get back. We were two miles from our campsite. Everybody was tired. Everybody was cold. 
And so then Kim attempted to row while I rested. So we thought, well, maybe if I get my strength up, then I can row and, and really, really do it. Um, so she rowed and she did well to, to hold us where we were, but also to gain some progress. But it only worked when I took an oar and she took an oar and I could give it all my strength mm. and she could give it all of her strength. And we were able to gain the same ground that we were the same distance that we were gaining as if we were going with the wind. But I had to constantly look over her, her direction and make sure I was rowing exactly where she was rowing at the pace that she was rowing, nothing more, nothing less, or we would go sideways and she was having to look my direction and we were in sync. And only when we were in sync did we gain the ground. And we've attempted to apply that to our marriage and in church planting to make sure that I'm in tune with her and she's in tune with me and in the needs of the church. And there is synergy in the home and with the children and when they see mom and dad working together like that and the unity and they the children recognize i'm not going to be able to divide that mm-hmm. that they're on the same page then there's more submission even from your children yeah. which gives more synergy mm-hmm. that was remarkable. my long answer that's, that's remarkable but that's a good answer i want to say to those listening those who don't know jaron and his wonderful wife and amazing children uh, something that jaron would never say about himself is uh, his home is, I'm not, you know, I'm a little goofy, but I'm not even being one bit facetious when I say this. His home is, in my opinion, um, a virtuous model of a godly home. Um, If you've ever stepped inside that home, you are in a place of peace. You are in a place of harmony. And so to hear him speak of um, some of these principles that guide his marriage, I think it would be, uh, it would behoove us to, take these sort of things into account. And I just wanted to speak to the credibility of Jaron's counsel when it comes to the home, that this isn't someone who is just winging it, as we've seen so often in our society. He is on purpose leading his home. Well, I'll tell you what's what's interesting about this subject, too, and maybe this is something we can dig into and, and maybe bring in another pastor to help us with this. But when you're determining that I am going to serve with my family mm. in the ministry— you have to decide what aspects of the ministry mm. do I want them to be exposed to. Yeah. And there are some that I think um, shield yeah. their kids entirely from mm. the sorrow. And there are some maybe that expose them to things they shouldn't. You know, mm. I think every the Lord's going to give wisdom to every pastor as he seeks for that wisdom. Um, but... You can't serve together without unity, like you said. Yeah. But you can't serve if you completely shelter your kids from serving in the ministry. Mm-hmm. I know that we all we all do that. Sure. We all get our it's kids balance. engaged. Yeah. And there's, I tell you what, as we're talking about this subject, just I just finished a book by uh, Barnabas Piper. Oh yeah. Okay. Who yeah. is the son of John John Piper? John yeah. Piper. Now. Mm-hmm. A theological bends aside. Sure. The book was called The Pastor's Kid. Right on. And I just bought that book yesterday. I finished. <laughs> it is, he's about our age. Yeah. Barnabas is. Um, and I'll be honest, reading the book, I didn't care for, um, he, he just had kind of a sarcasm sure. to him that sure. rubbed me the wrong way. Sure. Um, but he did have some valid points when it when it comes to serving as a family together. Um, you know how it is that that PKs are involved in mm. ministry, mm. and so I'd recommend that as a 
as a perspective mm-hmm. um, on it. But Jaron, thank you for that. Yeah, that's really so, good. Really good. Transitioning, right? Because churches are made up of homes, families, yeah, right? Families. And so if we, the home, whether it's comprised of one member or soon eight, right? Sure. You're going to be eight members. Yes. Um, did you know that? Soon to be eight. Did you know that? Right on, man. Congratulations. Hey, man. Congratulations. Was I supposed to say that? Oh, thank you. No, it's great. No, I wasn't supposed to say no, that. No, it's fine. Okay. It's very okay. fine. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm very thankful. Because I, I don't have to have heard it. that. I, I just do wear hearing aids. They could malfunction at any time. Ah, I just no, blew it. You didn't okay. blow anything. Good. It's a blessing. Okay. We won't release this podcast for another nine months. That way <laughs> I won't mess it up. Um, <laughs> so, all right. We're, the building block of a church, the building blocks are homes. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at a church uh, that, and, and not a church in our contemporary, you know, the building, it's not the building, it's the people. Right. And so when we look at synergy on a local church level, we look at, we're looking at the people of that church and we've got to ask ourselves the question, do I see these people as members of the team or obstacles? Mm. And I think that... We, and I say we broadly, um, to those that are in leadership, there are times when you think you have a vision from God, <laughs> right? That you, <laughs> did you notice a little bit of... A little bit of sarcasm? A little bit of... I didn't think right? you liked sarcasm. No, I don't. No. Well, I do sometimes. <laughs> All right, but when you look at what it is that you're trying to accomplish... I think we can be guilty of looking at people as obstacles to that. Absolutely. As opposed to recognizing that God has made them part of that church body. Yeah. And it's our responsibility as, you know, as under shepherds to recognize their strengths, Mm -hmm. their abilities, their calling. Yes. You know, we look at calling sometimes in a very, through narrow, very narrow eyes, yeah. as if pastoring is the only calling that exists. But there are people, their, their gifts, talents, and abilities are part of their call to serve. Yes. Right now, we've got a sound guy who's going to remain nameless. nameless. Sir Nameless. Sir Nameless. Sir, Sir Nameless, who is, is gifted and has a calling to meet needs that we are not able to do to Correct. the same capacity. Correct. So you have we have to recognize, hey, this guy has these God-given interests, talents, and abilities. He wants to apply them uh, for the gospel's sake. How do I how do I make that work? Uh, and that's part of leadership. Yeah. That's part of leadership. Yeah. In our own church, we are a church of less than a hundred people. Mm-hmm. But in our leadership team, we have we have nine guys all together. Wow. Do I really need nine guys? Uh, yes, I do actually. <laughs> because go. each one of those men bring to the table a yeah. perspective yeah. Um, and, and, and interest, abilities, concerns that I don't have. Yeah. And so that model of the pastor who is you know the on top of the mountain hero who gets everything done um, is unprofitable and unrealistic and it, it doesn't it doesn't help those who are called to serve according to their talents and abilities mm-hmm. so if you can get a hold of books 
on leadership that are that, that those books are derived from God's principles. Um, for example, I just started reading um, the 21, I think it's Indisputable Laws, Laws of, of Leadership, leadership yep. by John Maxwell. Maxwell yeah. And um, I'm going to invest time in that and try and learn those things so that I can, in our own local church, help us accomplish and be the most effective for God's glory mm-hmm. and the gospel's sake. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm saying all this to say, uh, as I'm learning this, I would encourage our listeners um, to look at the people that God has in your church as not obstacles, but as as part of uh, as part of your the, the the process to fulfill the great commission mm. where yeah. you are. Yeah, and. Uh, it is amazing. It is people want to be needed and known, right? And so it's amazing when you see, hey, God's given this person this ability, this interest, this talent. When you give it an eternal bearing, an right. eternal meaning, and and they buy in, man, you get stuff done for the Lord, yeah. stuff that lasts. And so synergy in the local church, people are members of the team; they're not obstacles. Chad, is there a, is there a degree to which you feel you have to sacrifice? quality in order to include some people in leadership by that i mean let's say i can do the bulletin really really well i use that as an example because i don't really think i can i can use a mac just as well as anybody else but let's say i'm really good at the bulletin somebody else comes to me and said pastor i'd like to do the bulletin and i for the sake of including that person in ministry i say yes do the bulletin are there times when you feel it's appropriate to maybe lay down, like sacrifice excellence on the altar of inclusion? Okay, so, well, a couple thoughts here. The first thought is this. There is the assumption that my way is the best way. Right. And sometimes that's not right. Sure. In fact, a lot of times it's not right. Sure. Um, or my way of doing things is the only way of doing things is is often, it's misguided. It's mm-hmm. based on false assumptions um, that my ideas are better but you also have to take the long view because if you're involved in ministry, if you're involved in discipling people, then you've got to take the long view and recognize my calling is to invest in their lives, to disciple them, to teach them God's word so that having God's word, the Holy Spirit can work in their life and bring about Christ-likeness. Yes. And Christ-likeness is going to bring about excellence. Right, mm. Christ likeness mm-hmm. will bring about excellence. So that very the first year of bulletins, uh, they there may be bumps along the way. Sure, but if you can put someone in a position to do something well, right, that you don't have to, you then free yourself up to do the things that you're called to mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. and they can take joy. And man, this is another. Again, we could dig into this because it's <laughs> it's about leadership but allowing people latitude yes allowing people latitude with their own ideas um how you arrange the bulletin is not a matter of doctrine yeah okay yeah um and even if if it's you know where you get your bulletins and uh where those things are not right so i would say this sometimes yes yeah all right but 
the as the old saying goes, what is it? If you teach, if you give a man a fish, mm -hmm. you feed him for a day. You teach a man to fish, you feed him for, for a life. lifetime. Yeah. And so I'm, I have learned to um, set my set my ideas aside and and put people in a position where they can they can grow mm -hmm. and develop. Right on. So. Yeah. Now we get to number three, mm -hmm. which is Mr. Britt. Yes. Synergy amongst independent <laughs> local churches. Sure. The question has to be asked, what, if anything, can be accomplished right. together? Right. It's all you. Okay. So um, first, I, I am a put it in air quotes, a local church guy. Okay. okay. I am. Um, then again, I wouldn't burn the apostles creed for saying they believe in one holy Catholic church or holy universal church. Um, we don't break fellowship. At least I don't break fellowship with people about that. I think that's while it does. Um, um, so just to clarify, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. using the term Catholic in terms of universal, right. not, the not difference Catholicism. Between, there's a difference between historically Catholic and Roman Catholic. Gotcha. Uh, okay. The historically Catholic Church is how we would probably categorize the understanding of the early church through wanna, the first few centuries. I don't, don't want to lose the two right, listeners we Right, have. There's little C Catholic and capital C Catholic. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we went down from four listeners to three. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but anyhow, um, so one could one could speak of the Church Catholic or the Universal Church, as it were. Um, I, I don't prefer to speak of it that way. I think that detracts from the significance of the locality of the Church. Um, I think if you if you look at how Paul speaks of the Church, he speaks of it institutionally or locally. Um, so the reason I mention that is because we talk about interdependence in churches, and we say I'm autonomous, I'm indigenous, I'm independent. And we can, we can really step into a place of hyper-independence to the way we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, to wit, I think that it's a knee-jerk reaction to some of the perverse applications of the concept of the church Catholic. Um, I think it's a knee-jerk reaction. The reason I think of that um, here, especially in this context, is uh, back in the early 16th century, you had old... Uh, Martin Luther, no disrespect to Martin Luther, by calling him old, I certainly didn't, don't want to disrespect him or anything, but you have Martin Luther, and uh, he would nail these 95 theses on the door of the castle of Wittenberg there. Um, I don't think he had any intention of doing what ended up happening. I'm thankful that what happened happened, but what happened was the Roman Catholic Church reformed itself in many ways. It's called the Reformed Church for a reason. It's a Reformed Catholic Church. Um, when that happened, the Roman Catholics responded with the Council of Trent, which they also then decided that the Apocrypha was going to be part of the Bible. Um, you say, what, what's the point of all this? Well, we're coming to a, 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 an example here, and it was an overblown reaction um, to the movement of the Reformation. As they say, you say you're going this direction? Well, we're going to go this direction. And sadly, I find that that's characteristic of a lot of the independent, independent, independent people is, is they don't go to fellowship. They don't even put their name in a phone book. You know what I mean? Phone book. Wow. I just dated myself. Um, a you know, phone book? Right. Phone book. Is what a, is such a thing? A book with pictures of phones? No, in you it? use it for kindling um, when okay. you have a wood stove. So the, uh, the so I think a lot of this independent thing is a knee-jerk reaction. So one of the questions on this piece of paper I was given here is, um, is there a biblical precedent for an interdependence, and how does that work with respect to autonomy? Um, I think it works very simply if you read Acts um, of the Apostles, the entire letter, or the entire record, excuse me, uh, that Ruke, uh, Luke wrote to Theophilus was was a record of how churches worked together, even to the very end of Paul's life. Uh, he was going around to the different churches 
to bring an offering to the church at Jerusalem, which was struggling greatly. He gave his life to bring that offering to the church at Jerusalem. Um, that is a very significant appeal to interdependence uh, within the early church. And I think the reason we've drifted away from that is because we have embraced a knee-jerk reaction that has been universal, for lack of a better word, among independent Baptist churches. Um, and so in our cry for independence, we've actually become kind of dependent on each other's attitudes for hyper-independence. <laughs> so it's kind of an anachronism, a, uh, 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 an oxymoron. So Acts chapter 15, when the Judaizers were doing their thing, um, the church at Jerusalem got together, and James said, let's write this letter and give it to the other churches. And it was a great encouragement to the churches. Um, why? Why wouldn't they just have decided that for themselves? Because they were holding hands. There was a decisively familial feeling and sense of the whole within the churches of that region. And so to say that that should not continue into our modern age, um, I, I would argue that it must exist even more so. We have highways, we have internet, we have cell phone, we have FaceTime, we have everything you need to be thoroughly and completely helpful to each other. And so what do we gain by working together? What do we lose? Well, we gain a closer walk with the model and pattern of the early church. What do we lose? Pride? I can't think of anything other than that. that we well, would, okay. You know, I, I think if you adopt a perverse idea of interdependence, you might stand to lose some things. Um, such as gen genuine autonomy and headship of the pastor within the local church. I think that... Well... Can I jump in? Please. Awesome. I'm getting so, a little carried away. No, you're doing great. Oh, you're thanks. Doing great. I, I was thinking, I was thinking, and Jaren, you can um, cut me off at any point. I think, so what do we gain working together? Well, on a very basic level, uh, we gain friendship and an appreciation for each other's ministries. Absolutely. You know, I'm yep. think, you think on a, a plane, different plane, like a higher plane. <laughs> I don't know if it's higher. I'm down here. <laughs> something. Not not at all. In my little mud puddle here. <laughs> not at all. What do I lose? Right. Well, if I'm not careful, I look at another man's church and I think, I need to model my church after yeah. his church. Yeah. yeah. And I try and model my church after his church when God has made my church to be different mm -hmm. you know independence is a glorious thing because it permits god to make that church correct in uh in his image yeah. according to his design our church is a rural church yeah and there's no apologies to be made for that right um the people that god has there are who god in intends for them to be mm -hmm. according to his purpose and we're reaching a rural people mm -hmm. now i can go to a meeting uh, of a church that's in the city, see some things that they do, and then come back to South Liberty and say, all right, everybody, all of the ushers are wearing gold-colored jackets. Right. Right? right. All of us. Right. That way the guests that come can identify who the greeters are. Yeah. And I can do that with the best of intentions, but, but it fail. Of course. Because yeah. I forgot, you know what? God's made us to be an independent work. Right. And right, we're different, and that's okay. But I can still work with. Sure, I can still work with Oxford Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. I can work with Topsom Baptist Church. I yeah. can work with Churchill. Yeah. Um, allow for, I guess that we would call preferential differences. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it takes energy to invest, but there is more return from a good investment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where there is no ox, the crib is clean. But much increases by the strength of the ox. I love that. And verse. I consider that. You know, yeah. like at South Liberty, 
there was a time when you brought the Peterman family on board mm -hmm. and it made more work for you to have them, to, um, to, uh, to house them. And it, certainly they were a part. Uh, they absolutely carried their own weight plus some mm -hmm. and were a tremendous blessing to South Liberty at that time. And I to remember. a whole bunch of other churches. Mm -hmm. right, you know, and, right, correct. Right, and right, all of them. Right. But then yeah. you consider, yeah, to, to many churches, but, um, but it was more work for right. you and right. for the church. But you consider what was accomplished by the strength minus the or versus the work that was brought on, and the same for us. I mean, right. you brought us on, and we have, you know, uh, everybody has different personalities and different strengths and different weaknesses right. that you have to work through, which takes what? Time, mm -hmm. which takes energy, mm -hmm. which makes you tired at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, you're gaining more by the strength of the ox mm -hmm. than the little dirty crib that right. you get to sweep out more right. often. Right. Well, you, you, when you said earlier, Chad, you were talking, and then you just mentioned it as well, Jaron, about it takes different people. Um, and I, I can't help but think of a silly illustration in my mind. I just kind of cobbled it together. But you've got Mike Tyson, Mike Strahan, Michael Phelps, and Michael Britt. Uh, Mike Tyson's a boxer. Michael Strahan played football. Michael Phelps is a swimmer. And Michael Britt is um, an underwater basket weaver. You probably didn't know that about me, but <laughs> that's not accurate. I'm not an underwater basket weaver. Um, but here's really the thing, hard. right? Everybody does their own thing. You would never expect Michael Phelps to be a champion in the ring. That's a Mike Tyson job. Um, everybody has similarities, um, but they all have different strengths. And, of course, inherent weaknesses where those strengths are um, uh, polarized by weakness. However, you'll find that that exists within churches too. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to mm -hmm. uh, because we're called bodies. We're organisms. And within my church, I'm going to have some things that are a little bit more unglued than other churches would may have things down pat. Uh, for instance, one of our guys was sick, so we had one usher and we had a substitute usher. They certainly were a far cry from having gold jackets, you know, mm -hmm. whereas another church might have that completely buttoned down with name tags for the ushers and stuff. And um, it, I, I think that that's a, a real risk that you run when you are not um, um, appropriately focused on that balance between independence and interdependence. Um, so how can we apply the pr principle practically? Um, today we can ask for help, give help, learn from each other, exchange wisdom, and celebrate. Yeah. I know it sounds too ecumenical for some, but that's okay. We can celebrate the fact that we can be a little different from each other preferentially and still be brothers united in the great cause of Christ. Um, so this, this whole – I, I got to be very transparent with you as I stop talking. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I am all set with the idea of hyper-autonomy hyper-indigenousness, hyper-independence. Um, it, is, it is radically, and when I say radically, I know, what I, I know what word I'm using, and I'm using it for a reason. It is radically unbiblical to be hyper-independent. Um, if I were to err on any side, I would much rather err on the side of interdependence because I see a much, much higher um, um, precedent for that in the Holy Scriptures. Mm. Yeah. All right, so... Any final thoughts before we jump into our Word of the Wise segment? I'll just, I mean, to segue off of what Mike was saying, you know, I can see definitely if, if you're surrounded on all sides by um, things that you're needing to be divided from, uh, you know, in your, within your town, within your region, then that is the blessing of the autonomy of the local church. You preach right doctrine, you teach right doctrine, but don't be afraid to reach out to those that are teaching the same doctrine mm -hmm. and work with them. Mm -hmm. Be willing to overcome personality differences for the purpose of the gospel, but not doctrine differences. Correct. 
because yeah. then the then the gospel changes altogether. Right. So get out of your comfort zone, meet and be willing to help other people yeah. that you normally wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. You have a final thought, final word of the wise? I guess I guess uh, jumping right off the discussion. Um, I, jumping it, off the discussion? Jumping off of the discussion. Springboarding off of the discussion. Okay. Yeah. Into yeah. a related. Yes, into a related. <laughs> so same house, different room. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I, I can't help but think of a time where a, a pastor came in and, and basically uh, shared very transparently that he could not fellowship with me because we differed on some areas. And these areas were so minute. Uh, my word of the wise, if if I can even be qualified to say such a thing in any serious level, but I hope that I could be uh, backed up by the scriptures on this, is don't don't separate over small things. Okay, it it's not worth it. Okay, can I offer something? Please. I mean, technically, you're the host because you started. Am I? Yourself. I started it, so yeah. yeah. Please take us away, Jim. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm thankful that iron sharpens iron. Amen. And when you sharpen, when iron sharpens iron, there is material that is removed. Um, you cannot sharpen iron with plastics. So you've got to have the right doctrine. You talk about right doctrine. Right. So I've got to have two pieces that are compatible right. in the sharpening process. And when that sharpening process takes place, there's got, there, there is. There's removal of material. But why is there removal of material? So there's greater effectiveness. Right. And so if we look at synergy as an opportunity for us to become more effective uh, in the service of our Lord, then it's worth yeah. learning yeah. from each other and serving together. Um, and of course, with that, that it seems like a given caveat, but we, I guess we get a, we, it's not given nowadays um, that our doctrine's right. You know, that our, that our doctrine's right, and we're right in the Bible, uh, but we can allow for some differences and still work together. Yep, right on. Well, I suppose that wraps it up for us here today, um, our second episode of the Plant and Root Podcast on interdependence and synergy. We really do wish you'll join us next time as we continue to explore this crucial aspect of ministry, planting and rooting. <laughs>